Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and reading today from a book entitled Proverbs, which is a commentary on the book of Proverbs in your Bible, written by Charles Bridges. Charles Bridges was a leader of the Evangelical Party in the Church of England. He died in 1869. This is chapter 2 of his book, Wisdom, having solemnly warned rebellious scoffers, now instructs her obedient children. The deep question previously asked, where can wisdom be found, is now answered. It is set before us here as the fear of the Lord in chapter 2, verse 5. It is seen as the principle of practical godliness, verses 7 to 9 as preserving us from besetting temptation in verses 10 to 19, and as a guide into the right and safe path, verse 20. So its pupils are safe, verse 21. But the ungodly who despise it, wisdom, will definitely be ruined, verse 22. The way to find wisdom is easy. If this way is carefully pondered and faithfully cultivated, it will give the key to understanding the whole of the Word of God. And so number one, or verse one, accept my words. And I do hope you have a book of Proverbs out right now, that you have your Bible open to that book, and just read along in chapter two in Proverbs as I'm reading this commentary. <clears throat> the words should be received by a good and honest heart a heart that is prepared by God. Read God's book like the person who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to him speaking. Be like the Bereans who were so keen to examine the scriptures in Acts 17. Store up my commands within you. Carry them around with you as your most prized treasure. Let your heart be the hiding place for the treasure. Satan can never snatch it from there. O oh my God, let it be with me as with your beloved Son, in order that I may be under your grace. Listen to me and come to me, so that my soul may live. And that's from Isaiah 55, 3, and is supposed to go along with uh, verse 2. Now verse 3, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, we search for no other inspiration than divine grace to make God's word clear. Every verse we read and meditate on gives material for prayer. David and his wise son sought for this learning on their knees. The most mature Christian will continue to the end of his life to call out for insight and for more understanding. 4. But prayer must not be a substitute for diligent service. Rather, let it be a spur for it. Think of the miner's indefatigable efforts, the miner, M-I-N-E-R, his invincible resolution and untiring perseverance. This is the way we should search the sacred storehouse. To read instead of searching the scriptures is to just skim the surface and collect a few superficial ideas. The secret of success in finding hidden treasure is to dig the entire field. If we do not find anything, we must dig again. We need to daily search the length and breadth and depth of our fruitful store 
until we are filled with God's fullness. This habit of living in the element of Scripture is invaluable. To be filled from this divine treasury, to have large sections of the Word passing through the mind, enables us to grasp it more firmly and apply it to our lives. To benefit fully from this, we must feed on our own. We may read the Scriptures with other people, but in order to search the Scriptures, we must be alone with God. The church is harmed if this habit is neglected. All fundamental errors and heresies in the church may be traced to this source. Such errors are usually based on partial or fragmentary statements about the truth. Truth, separated from the Word, becomes error. Number five, but the mind that is prayerfully engaged in searching for divine truth will always discover the two principles of godliness, the fear and the knowledge of God. Number six, this search will never end in disappointment, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Nobody will search in vain. Apostasy from the faith has never been linked with prayerful and diligent study of God's word. Number seven, vanity and foolishness are hallmarks of the wisdom of this world. But here is wisdom that comes from God. It looks as uh, things as they really are and, and not as they appear to be. Bishop Hall has written, To those who are true and upright in heart, the Lord will in his own good time reveal true and saving knowledge and that sound and spiritual wisdom that will make them eternally happy. Our faithful God is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. His wisdom protects us from subtle sophistry that seeks to destroy our treasure. Number eight, the way of the saints is full of danger and beset with temptation, but it is a safe way. The Lord guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. God's almighty power guards us even when we are at the edge of the enemy's ground. Number nine, only the Lord's wisdom can guide our feet into every good path. In this way, we will be equipped to do good deeds. The gracious wisdom that saves the soul sanctifies the heart and life. Look at verse 10. We have seen the good that wisdom brings us. That was verse 5. Now observe the evil that it preserves us from. Note where wisdom lives, in the heart. Only here has it any light or life or power. Clear knowledge floating in the head is deep ignorance. If it only glitters in the understanding, it is dry, speculative, and barren. But should it enter your heart, light shines out, and all the affections are engaged. How pleasant it is to your soul. Religion is then no longer a lifeless idea. It is handled and tasted and enjoyed. Number 11, religion now gives discretion and understanding and directs all your behavior. It does not just become an external rule. It will protect and guard you, just as an army guard keeps a monarch safe. 
Education and high moral principles are at best only partially effective in helping people. External wickedness may be exchanged for decent formality. The foolishness of pride may be resisted, but pride in one of its many other forms may be cherished. In all these examples, the principle is left unchanged. The forsaken sin only makes way for a more plausible sin, which is no less deadly a passion. The heart, molded by the gospel, is the only protection from attacks that imperceptibly, yet fatally, cut us off from God. Verse 12. The various traps that are set for the young are about to be detailed. This passage furnishes us with a frightening picture of the temptations to which our children are exposed. It should make us cry to God for their deep and complete conversion. We should pray that they may know the gospel, not only in the conversion of their consciences and the conviction of their consciences and and in the excitement of their feelings, but in the complete renewal of their hearts before God. This, and nothing less, will keep them safe from the traps that have been laid by their cruel enemy. Every town and village swarms with his servants, who are first of all initiated into the mysteries of his art, and then become skilled teachers and instruct others in his evil work. We have been warned about one of his traps in chapter 1, verses 10 to 14. Another such warning is given here in verse 12. The character of the tempter is seen from what the writer says. His words are perverse. They're like a polluted spring that sends out contaminated streams. How quickly the disease spreads. Number 13. Such people do not sin in ignorance. They have been trained to walk in dark ways. Once they come into contact with wicked men, they become infectious and quickly spread the disease. They are more than ready to leave the straight paths that they never really loved and to walk in dark ways that they really do love. Poisoned themselves, they now poison everyone around them. 14. They rejoice, like Satan himself, in doing wrong, and so they draw their fellow sinners into the net. 15. They revel in following crooked and devious ways. Thus they fall deeper and deeper into sin as they follow the crooked path that leads to eternal ruin. Is this not an accurate picture of many children of godly parents who have been lovingly looked after, but who become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. They now deserve to be abandoned by God, whom they have abandoned so callously. Young man, shun such friends. They have become hardened in their devotions to their master's work. If only misguided sinners could see sin in all its horrid deformity and certain end, but their devious ways... Hide this end from their sight. Satan presents the bait, palliates the sin, closes the eyes, and conceals the definite end of everything, which is hell. Wicked men cannot, will not, turn back from their crooked paths. Verses 16 to 19, another trap is here 
graphically portrayed. As before, wisdom is the most effective deliverer. The adulteress, verse 16, is described as one who has ignored the covenant she made before God, verse 17. It is little wonder that she therefore uses seductive words, verse 16. Her house is in the land of death. It's in chapter 5, verse 5. Eternal doom waits for her. Few people who visit her return, for her house leads down to death. That's verse 18. And none who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Wisdom guides us to the paths of the righteous in verse 20. Clothed with this divine armor, you will have the courage Joseph had and will be able to turn your face away from the lure of sin. 21. In this way you'll be able to live in the land as its original inheritor. You will have the best inheritance on earth and an infinitely better inheritance in heaven. Number 22. The wicked, however, will be cut off from the land. They may enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time, but they will ultimately be torn from the land and will end up in everlasting ruin. Now, can anyone who has read this chapter seriously fail to value the privilege of being enlisted under the banner of the cross from an early age? Parents and teachers, ponder your great responsibility. Never stop praying for special grace and wisdom. Do not gloss over sins. What wisdom is needed to guide, to curb, to develop and improve the minds and energies and feelings of young people. Take care, young people. Do not imagine, even for one minute, that God will turn a blind eye on your sinful desires or that he will excuse them as the foibles of youth. Such ropes of sin will bind you for eternity if they are not broken by the power of God's grace. Shun the company of evil people as you would avoid the plague. Keep your distance from them as you would from the pit of destruction. Fill your mind with heavenly wisdom. Cultivate the taste for purer pleasures. Oh, that's a good word to parents and their children today. Proverbs chapter 2 from Charles Bridges and from the Holy Spirit in his, in his book, the Bible. We'll do chapter 3 next time. Meanwhile, you can look around the site here and find other men of God that I have been reading from over the years. We've got 3,500 audios that feature some of these preachers and persecution stories and Bible studies of all sorts. Then you can go to Amazon.com, check out my books there, or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. And I'll be sharing their details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting, if you're interested, and our, or our Tuesday noon meeting. The first one is for men only. The Tuesday is for men and women. We invite you to come and join us. And I know you'll be blessed when you do. I just know that because I know the people who are fellowshipping with me for many, many months, a couple years in, in the men's case. Okay, that is it for today. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And this audio is being released on the 17th 
of January 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.